Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Coming up on today's show, GTA 6 is back in the news, and Nintendo had a fiscal call with some interesting information. of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. I'm one of your hosts, Andrea Renee, joined by Miss Rihanna Manuel-Pena. What's good, Andrea? You know what I was realizing, Rhi, is that I never asked you if you prefer to go by Mrs. now. Oh, you know, that's a good question. No one's asked me that yet. Um, oh, I'm the first. You are. <laughs> you are. I do like Mrs. I think that sounds nice. Yeah. All right. Mrs. It is. I realize <laughs> it feels a little bit of an antiquated calling for people, the Ms. Miss Ma'am thing, but I mean, it's still <laughs> a formality that I like to use. So now that I have that check marked, I will try to make a mental note not to forget. We're glad that you are here, everybody. Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Brittany is still out. We took a little What's Good Games break this past week. Rihanna, you traveled to Ohio and went to a wedding. I did. I went back home where I grew up in Cincinnati and I got to see my best friend get married, which was absolutely wonderful. And I also got to introduce Danny to some more of my family back home. And most importantly, I got to have Grippo's potato chips again because it's been a very long time. <laughs> okay, so explain to me the hype about these potato chips. Okay, so they're barbecue chips, which, you know, I, I'm always a fan of a barbecue chip. Sounds however, delish. These have like this this seasoning on them and it starts off really sweet and then it, it adds a little heat at the end. And you know me, I'm a little averse to spicy foods, but like it's about as True. far as I can take it. And I feel very brave and excited when I get to have them. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Okay, so you can only get them in Ohio. Is that a thing? I mean, you can order them, but they're everywhere in Cincinnati. So it's one of those things I associate with going home, like Skyline Chili or UDF or Grater's Ice Cream, stuff like that. I know what you mean, because when I go home to Fargo, I always get a bag of old Dutch dill pickle chips. Ooh. And dill pickle flavored chips have kind of made their way to different parts of the country. But I still have a trouble finding them regularly here in California, but Old Dutch is everywhere in the upper Midwest and dill pickle is just one of my favorite flavors. So I know what you mean about the things that you eat when you're at home that remind you of home. Yeah, it's just that nostalgia. Plus, it does taste as good as I remember, which is always a relief because sometimes yes. things don't hold up when you go back. I know what you mean. There's been some of the restaurants I used to frequent as a kid that I would go back to or bring John to whenever we would go home. And I'd be like, so um, don't judge me on this. This isn't as good as I remember it being. <laughs> My palate has definitely expanded since I left North Dakota. But enough about our vacations. We want to let you guys know that this week's episode is brought to you by ExpressVPN and Backbone. But I'll tell you about them in a little bit. And thank you to this month's Patreon producers, Chewy's Godson, Alex Rogopoulos, Ferris Atia, Justin Foshi, Matthew Dare, and Punctified. And thank you to everybody who is at patreon.com slash what's good games supporting our voices in the video game space. And thank you to everybody who has been pumping those podcast reviews. There's so many of you and I want you to know that we do take the time to read them and I appreciate everybody who has, you know, given us a few minutes of their time for a five-star review. And we will go over some of those new ones with Britt when she is back next week. For now, let's jump right into the news and it's a little bit light of a week this week, but we have a couple interesting tidbits. So before we get into some earnings calls that happened this week, we want to talk about a little nugget of information that we've gotten about Grand Theft Auto 6. So I feel <laughs> like we're now entering that time where we're going to start getting this like drip feed of tiny bits of information until we get a full reveal from Rockstar. And my career in video game news has these 
big tent poles that have happened over time. Some of the biggest ones that I remember covering almost ad nauseum include Half-Life 3, <laughs> when we thought it was going to happen back in 2011 or 2012. It was also like a long time ago. And now I think everyone's just resigned that it's not going to happen. And then when Fallout 4 was being teased, everyone was all in tizzy about like going into the mining of the data on all the websites <laughs> and finding each tiny little scrap of information. Same with Elder Scrolls, same with the new console releases. Do you re really have any standout pieces of news that you're like, gosh, it felt like that news cycle just went on forever? Yeah. I mean, obviously, anything to do with Half-Life has been <laughs> comically off, right? As, as we know, it will not happen at this point. And for me, a lot of the acquisition stuff has been really interesting because they bubble up for folks like you and I who are very industry adjacent. But then I go home and, for instance, I'll talk about, you know, oh, the big Activision acquisition and, you know, what's going to happen with Call of Duty and which console is it going to be associated with for its primary marketing engine and nobody knows what I'm talking about. So it's uh, it's important to make sure that the tin hat comes off every once in a while because most folks don't understand or hear about a lot of this stuff. But GTA no. is definitely on that list. Grand Theft Auto 5 has been an absolute juggernaut in the gaming industry. And as you said, we're getting a drip feed, like crumbs of information as we approach six. So it's interesting that it keeps bubbling up like about once a month now, it seems there's something to talk about. So I'm sure it'll be another one of those added to the list. And I will say that the team at Rockstar is so buttoned up. I mean, you hear stories sometimes from voice actors that have worked on the game or former employees about the extreme lengths that they go to to keep their projects a secret to make sure that nothing leaks. And I have to say, they're usually pretty successful in that as well. So I'm glad that we have like a little bit of something in lieu of a big reveal, which I imagine is going to happen in the next, I would guess, six to 18 months. I don't know for sure if it's going to happen in 2022. But speaking of earnings calls, Take-Two's financial update happened this week. And Strauss Zelnick, the company's CEO, said that the developer development of the game is currently unnamed. I mean, the game is unnamed, I should say, but the development is well underway. So obviously <laughs> confirming this is not the first time that they have confirmed that yeah, dog, we're working on GTA 6, Avi. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, wow, cat's out of the bag. Who would have guessed? <laughs> exactly. So the story comes from Jordan Midler over at VGC Video Game Chronicles, but Jason Trier, who put out a big article about GTA 6, also confirmed from his sources that this little tidbit is new. So the tidbit is that it will, quote, set creative benchmarks for the series, according to the publisher Take-Two. Now, I saw this story in the rundown, and I said to you, <laughs> This is a non-story. This is not news. Why are we talking about this? Of course, GTA is going to set benchmarks. Rockstar sets benchmarks with literally everything they put out because they're so meticulous and thoughtful of how they make their games. But Re, from your perspective, do you think that this is surprising or shocking? Or are you like, yeah, of course? I mean, it's definitely, yeah, of course, right? Like As we mentioned, Grand Theft Auto V is an absolute like lightning in a bottle of a game. And not to mention Red Dead Redemption has, you know, been historical in, in the way that it's impacted the way games are designed and in the way games are received and even the way settings are chosen for video games, like being in the Wild West. So it's no surprise that this is something that they're saying is part of their plan for Grand Theft Auto 6. What I really hope is not the case, and I, I know that I'm wrong, but I'm just going to say I really hope that I'm right in saying that I'm wrong. I really hope that the creative benchmark isn't having a woman as the protagonist. <laughs> Because it's such a cop out, like, like, of course, you're gonna have a woman as a lead at some point. It's been a lot of games. And we still haven't seen that from yes. Rockstar. So I'm, I'm really hoping that they're they're thinking a little bit further outside of the box. And I know they will their pedigree speaks for itself. But I really am very cautiously optimistic that they aren't saying that that is what they're pegging all of their hopes and dreams on. I highly, highly doubt it. If we even look to Red Dead Redemption to their last major standalone release, I think that speaks for itself in the technical innovation of that game, just really showcasing some achievement in game technology and game design, both in expansive open world and immersive quest design. I mean, I could go on and on about just how amazing that game is, but I don't need to. Everybody 
it was RDR2 <laughs> was a fantastic game. But I think GTA obviously still is the crown jewel of <laughs> Rockstar's stable of amazing titles. And I don't think it's going to surprise anybody that this game is going to be a technical masterpiece. So I think what's going to be interesting for me as a, I don't want to call myself like a lukewarm fan of GTA, but as you mentioned, the hook of having a female protagonist absolutely has me, has me more than it ever has. I've always had some uncomfortableness is probably the best way for me to describe it in playing the GTA titles in the past. And I think in this new era of wokeness that we are in (laughs) culturally, that a lot of people are looking towards game designers and writers to really be more cognizant and thoughtful with how they represent people, the storylines that they choose, some of the themes that they are going to be incorporating. It's going to be really be fascinating to watch how the team at Rockstar is going to navigate that. And they've said as much, right? We've already heard them say like the reason why we haven't put out a game yet is because this game has been a challenge to make. And not only just because of the pandemic, which brought its own obstacles, but also the world is a different place today than it was even when GTA 5 came out. So mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely interested to see. Also, by the way, in this financial update that we got from Take-Two Interactive, a whopping 170 million copies sold for GTA 5. It's like, who doesn't already have it? Like, how do they keep finding more people to sell this game to? And it doesn't go on sale usually either. I mean, you can maybe find it used, but 170 million copies. It's absolutely And that's not even taking into account all of the purchases from GTA Online. Like, just... No. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I'm interested to see what what this, you know, setting the standard moment is for them, like creating new benchmarks. I'm hoping personally that it's in the open world space and that it's in sort of like a shared world. I'm not going to say metaverse, but it's going to be like a metaverse and, you know, hopping in from any console into this instance of Grand Theft Auto 6 and getting up to all the shenanigans that you're used to from Grand Theft Auto. That would be great. And I hope that's really what they're aiming for. But, you know, we'll see. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's an implant in your head and they're microchipping people or something. Who knows? <laughs> Don't let the conspiracy theorists run wild with that. Come on. <laughs> well, we will, of course, keep on top of any substantial updates or <laughs> unsubstantial, <laughs> inconsequential, whatever word you want to insert here on what's happening with GTA 6. We're definitely all interested in what's going on. Speaking of financial updates, another big company had one this week. Nintendo had an update of financials, and no surprise, they've been doing pretty well, everybody. (laughs) Uh, The Switch has surpassed 111 million units sold. And despite that, overall sales are down for them. (laughs) Amazing. Good job. Shout out to the Switch. It's such a great console. It really is. And I know that we like to lovingly poke fun at Nintendo here at What's Good Games. But of course, as Brittany has said many times, and I've said as well, it's all because we just love them so much that, you know, we have to keep them honest. Um, Some other highlights from the fiscal from Nintendo, the fiscal update, I should say, is that despite the fact that hardware sales are down 22.9%, according to the folks over at Game Informer, Nintendo citing, of course, the ongoing semiconductor shortage as to why software sales are surprisingly down too, declining 8.6% this quarter. However, while 8.6 is a sizable drop, Nintendo has still moved over 41 million units in Q1 of their fiscal 2023. And it revealed its top 10 best-selling Switch games, Mm. many of them having increased since the last round of financial results that we got earlier this year. So as of June 2022, the top-selling games hanging in there, (laughs) not to be dethroned. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe just won't die. Everyone just keeps buying it, apparently. <laughs> you know, it, they uh, did is, just release a new map, and it looks pretty cool. It's like this ice cream, like, sugar plum fairy land. It's really cool. And Mario Kart is really good. It's it's still awesome. It is? It's just... Oh, but they yeah. did that thing with the Nintendo online service as well, with, like, the classic packs that they release. I just 
in my heart of hearts, I'm hoping that Nintendo will announce Mario Kart 9 eventually, someday, maybe. These <laughs> deluxe units I get, you know, like it's cool for new people to experience, but, you know, some new hotness wouldn't be bad either. Yeah. Um, and then my Bay Animal Crossing New Horizons in number two, mm-hmm. uh, uh, sneezing at 40 million units. Uh, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate going strong with t- over 28 million units. Breath of the Wild, of course, 27 million. Pokemon Sword and Shield, 24 million. Super Mario Odyssey, 23.9 units. Super Mario Party, I'm actually kind of surprised that Super Mario Party is as high up on this list as it is. Over 18 million mm-hmm. units. And then we got Pokemon Brilliant, Diamond, and Shining Pearl. Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Evo. Or excuse me, EV. Oh, Evo happened this last week, by the way. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later. And then Ring Fit Adventure. 14.5 hey, million. Willow Fitness. Yeah. Good job. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, no surprise here for Pokemon and Mario titles dominating the list. And yeah, Brittany... Brittany got, uh, had some thoughts about the Pokemon <laughs> reveal last week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and shout out to Brittany for giving us a little snack on the audio version of the podcast for getting that in there. Again, as a reminder to people who watch at youtube.com slash what's good games, if you missed it because of the way that our out of town travel all lined up, I wasn't able to get Brittany's Pokemon thoughts in the video version of the podcast. So you do have to go to the audio version to get those from last week. But we'll rehash it all again (laughs) next week. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So what game, Brianna, is missing for you on Switch that you're like, Nintendo, where is it? Where is the game that I need in my life on my Switch that is a Nintendo game? That is a Nintendo game. It's hard for me because I'm not as big of a Nintendo fan as I am just sort of like a casual Nintendo player. As far as this list goes, I'm honestly surprised that Switch Sports isn't anywhere near the top 10. <laughs> and that is simply because it's a really good game and everybody should try it. If you have the Switch, just give it a shot. It's worth your time. As far as in general, what's not on the Switch, I just want more ports. Like, like I really love the Switch and, and I have the Steam Deck and I'll be giving some more detailed thoughts on it later in the show. However, the Switch is just such an incredible form factor. It's so easy to go from handheld into docked mode. It's so light compared to heavier products like Steam Deck or it's less cumbersome than trying to put together something like, you know, playing with xCloud or something on your phone. So it's just such a perfect on the go, but I want to be in my room sometimes, but I also want to be in the living room sometimes machine. I want everything on the Switch. And and that me is obviously me being a video game console elitist at that point, but I would truly rebuy games infinitely if I could have it on all of the consoles and especially on the Switch because it's just one of my preferred ways to play. I've played so many hours of Hades on my Nintendo Switch and I have contemplated buying it on other platforms so many times simply because I play on the other consoles occasionally, but I always go back to the Switch. Like, it's just an easy thing to pick up and play. So, honestly, Andrea, I want everything on it. Like, I would love have Apex you, to be better on it if I could have it. What have you? I was going to ask, as somebody who plays Fortnite with me, do you have you tried Fortnite on the Switch? I have. It's not bad. I, I will say it, it's a pretty decent port. It is tough a, a lot of times with the, you know... If you're trying to play in build mode, obviously, it's going to be a lot more because of so many different inputs. And my hands just aren't as fast on the Switch controls. But if you're playing zero build mode, it's actually not too bad. It's when you get into a little bit tougher games for me personally, like Apex Legends, where the map isn't loading in quite as quickly as you needed to. Like, it's harder to get, you know, the draw on people if you land on the same item and you're trying to pick it up before they do. It's just tough to be at that competitive level, even docked, even plugged in with the Ethernet and Switch OLED. And so the hardware does sort of hit a technical ceiling, unfortunately. And I just want everything to be perfect on it. Because if I could play God of War on my Switch, I probably would. Like, that's just, it's just such a great way to move everything, move around in my environment and playing games. So I wish the fidelity was a little bit higher. But yeah, it, it's... Switch Pro, we're still waiting, Nintendo. We know uh, it's not going to be until 2023, but... I'll buy it because, you know, we all sent for patient, Switch. Patiently so. waiting. Yeah, we all sent for Nintendo. <laughs> I'm absolutely buying everything they put out because it's great. It's just a great console. And I'm glad it's doing well. Absolutely. I'm just going to reiterate that I'm waiting for Super Mario Galaxy 3. Oh. Whenever you want to make that, Nintendo, Mm. I will buy it on my Switch. Or, you know, if you want to put out more content for Animal Crossing, even though I've heard that it's not going to happen, I'd go back. I'd buy a new Luigi's Mansion, you know. I'd kill those cockroaches on my island and and dust it (laughs) off and and head back. 
Speaking of Nintendo, not only did they have a fiscal update this week, but there was a giant Splatoon 3 Nintendo Direct that happened. Mm. And just a full disclaimer that no one at What's Good Games is a diehard Splatoon player. I dabbled, Brittany dabbled. Would you say that you've dabbled or are you just like a, I haven't, I've played I haven't like, messed around with, with Splatoon at all? Maybe like three games. It's I've not even dabbled. I, I'd say I dabbed. You did. It wasn't a full dabble. Oh, the, the, the dab. <laughs> oh, remember when that was really popular and everyone loved doing it? And now when you dab, everyone's like, oh, you're one of those. Yeah, well. Maybe planking will come back and then dabs will happen after that. Oh, my gosh. Planking. <laughs> that was legit like 12 years ago, mm-hmm. almost 13 years ago. Mm-hmm. Planking. My goodness. It was Why a time. are we talking about planking? I'm sorry. Anyway, <laughs> got a little sidetracked about that. So we're talking about Splatoon 3. So we're not going to run down all of the announcements about what happened. Over at Polygon.com, they have a really thorough detailing of everything in the direct. If you missed it and you're like, oh, my gosh, there's Splatoon 3 news. This is so exciting. So let me just hit some of the highlights that happened in the direct um, earlier this week. So they announced new weapons, new stages, customization, table turf battles, which is a collectible card game, a free large scale paid DLC, which is coming later on. That Splatfest is back. And of course, Salmon Run returns bigger than before. So we have heard about some of these details in announcements from Nintendo previously. But what we know right now is that there are going to be previous weapon types from other Splatoon games. So if you guys are into stuff, the bow-like Tri-Stinger, which is kind of cool looking, and then the Splatana Wiper. I do really like the innovation that Nintendo does with this title, really kind of making everything so family-friendly, but also just so fun and addictive. I do really wish I spent more time playing Splatoon. I just, you know, there's just too many games. Too many (laughs) games, everybody. So many. Um, Of course, customization of the Inklings is a fun thing to do as well. So there's going to be all kinds of new styles to wear that you can, you know, look fly when you're playing online with. And then I do want to mention about the Splatfest. So it's going to be hosted by the deep cut trio of Fry, Shiver, and Big Man. Uh, (laughs) And the multiplayer event is going to be happening on August 27th. Ooh, coming up. Is the date of when that starts. Yeah, just a couple of weeks away. And it's going to pit Team Rock, Team Paper, and Team Scissors against each other. So these are always kind of fun to see people on social media getting into the big Splatfest. So if you guys are into that, mark your calendars. And of course, Salmon Run is the horde mode-like that they added into Splatoon 2. It lets up to four players collect the power eggs from enemies called Salmonids. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to get too in the weeds. Everyone's like, I don't know what Splatoon lore is. It's with like all these when I talk about characters. Apex. <laughs> I mean, but even more difficult because it's at least with Apex, I think people who enjoy FPS can understand a lot of the terms. Everything about the world of Splatoon is so unique hmm. that... If you've never even seen Splatoon, you might not understand like how the ink even works like in the game mode. So which, by the way, you can check out at youtube.com slash what's good games if you want to look at some of the stuff that they showed in the Nintendo Direct. And like I mentioned, it was a long one. It was like a full 30 minutes. So it looked great. I wouldn't recommend going to check it out fully unless, you know, that's your jam. And you missed it. But. Now, one thing that yeah. I'm curious about with this update is this table turf battle. Because when you say card game to a Mrs. Rihanna Mandelpena, she was intrigued. <laughs> and I would love to know if there's a way to play this, you know, outside of the game, right? And as somebody who got super into Gwent, but has barely played The Witcher. What? You got into Gwent and we never talked about it? That's the thing. Like, I love, like, the card games or, like, the... I love mini games. And so anytime there's, like, a a mini game in a bigger title that people are excited about, I'm usually the one that's just, like, sitting in the card table in the bar the tavern the entire time I play a game. And I don't actually end up finishing most games. (laughs) So I'm very intrigued by Table Turf Battle. I want to know more. This looks cool. But that's exciting. So you play it in the lobby, 150 cards to collect. That's then not enough for me. I would like to see more at some point. And then uh, you can build out a deck and battle other people. And it gives you an in-game starter deck. How thoughtful. I might do that. It sounds that. to me like cards are going to be something they probably add like post-launch, mm-hmm. right? To As like maybe like a DLC option or even just free updates. Be like, hey, we're, this is just like the starter deck options and then... As they continue to update the game, they'll be 
more and more options. At least you got to assume that that's what's going to happen, right? Oh, yeah. I'm ready to pay keep it, all keep the it money. fresh. All the money for keep those. Keep the game fresh. Give me all the card packs. Um, but wait, so are you telling me that this could be the thing that gets you to play Splatoon 3 is the mini game? You know what? It could. It could. It might get me. We'll have to see. I think you'll have more fun with Splatoon than you think you would. Let's play. Let's make okay. a date to play Splatoon 3. I'm in. When it comes out. And then you can show me how to play the mini game because mini <laughs> card games I've never been is really been that good at. Absolutely. Just fully admitting it in front of the world right now. Andrew <laughs> Renee, not very good at deck building games. All right. Let's keep moving on. We have a couple more pieces of news. But before we do that, I want to let you know that this podcast is brought to you by these lovely sponsors. This episode of What's Good Games is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Using the internet without ExpressVPN is kind of like walking your dog in public without securing them on a leash. Rude, right? Well, not just that. What happens if your dog runs away or if someone steals your dog? There are jerks out there who do that. Don't let that happen to you. Be careful, just like you should be when you're using the internet, like you can be by using ExpressVPN. So every time you connect to an unencrypted network, and listen, we do it all the time without even realizing it because your phone just auto-connects to Wi-Fi unless you tell it not to. You could be in a coffee shop, in a hotel lobby, airports, you name it. Your online data that's being transmitted, it's not secured. While it may seem completely safe for you to send your bank password at Starbucks, is it? Is it really safe? How do you really know? Any hacker on the same network as you can gain access and steal your personal data. But ExpressVPN creates a secure encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet so your data stays secure. It took a hacker with a supercomputer over a billion years to get past ExpressVPN's encryption. Now, I know that number sounds like an exaggeration, but it's pretty complex math over there, and it's definitely beyond my pay grade. I don't know how their algorithms work. Is it an algorithm? Who knows? ExpressVPN works on all of your devices, which is the important thing to remember, whether it's your phone, your laptop, or even on your smart TV. And it's super easy to use. You just fire up the app and click one button to get protected. I was out shopping recently when I remembered that I needed to check to see if some of my credit card bills got paid on time, but I didn't want to just be sending my credit card website passwords over the Wi-Fi at the mall, right? Like, that's not safe. So I opened up my ExpressVPN app on my phone, hit the big connect button, and I was good to go. Don't risk your important data, you guys. Secure your connections today by going to expressvpn.com slash what's good games. You guys can get an extra three months months of ExpressVPN for free by using our link, expressvpn.com slash what's good games. That's expressvpn.com slash what's good games. This episode of what's good games is also brought to you by Backbone. With the busyness of life, sometimes it's just go, 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 leaving you no time to sit back and play your favorite video games like we lament all the time on this show. I blame the babies. But with Backbone, we can take our gaming world with us no matter where we go. You can level up your game at home as well or on the go with Backbone, the universal gaming essential that lets you instantly play hundreds of consoles on your iPhone, no console required. So Backbone is the newest game-changing essential that's going to transform your iPhone into a handheld console so that you can play anywhere, anytime. Simply plug in your iPhone to your backbone, enjoy console quality controls with responsive buttons and triggers, clickable analog sticks, and more as you play Xbox games, PlayStation, PC, and even App Store games. I talk about all the time about how I love Apple Arcade's offering, and the backbone makes playing some of those games such a joy. And if you guys don't own a console, it's not a big deal because you can stream hundreds of games on your backbone. Games like FIFA or the upcoming Madden, which is out in just a couple of weeks, or maybe you're more of an Apex player like Rihanna is, or you're like me and you've mostly just been using it as a Diablo machine. Speaking Speaking of Diablo, Backbone is the official partner of Diablo Immortal, and not only is that game specifically optimized for Backbone, as I've talked about before, but you're also going to receive $10 of perks to use in the game, and this is in addition to everything else that Backbone is currently offering, which, you guys, includes free access to over 350 console games, one month of free Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, one month of free Apple Arcade, two months of free Google Stadia Pro, and three months of free Discord Nitro. That's 
that is a lot of free stuff. And this is just for a limited time. And it's when you use our link. That's playbackbone.com slash what's good. If you want to help out the show and get lots of free stuff and start playing games on the go, you have to go to playbackbone.com slash what's good. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news... Leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. The next story is all about football. Are you a football fan, Rhea? I don't think we've ever talked about football or watched football together. Yeah, I'm a casual football fan. I grew up in Ohio, so Cincinnati didn't really have much for me. However, most of the people in my family... Oh, the Bengal shade. I guess technically we watched Super Bowl together, which they were in. Yes, they were. Most of my family and friends back home were Steelers fans. And then I went to Pitt and they've won six Super Bowls. So I would say I'm a Steelers fan if I'm anything. I mean, why not go with the winning team? That seems like the right thing to do. (laughs) So we're talking about football because EA and the NFL have renewed their Madden esports deal for multiple years. Now, this is interesting to me because as a fan of football, I've never really played a ton of Madden. As you said, a casual fan. I'm also a casual fan. I've, you know, I've dabbled, but I like watching the pros play Madden every year when they do their big esports stuff around the Super Bowl. And so I'm glad to see that they're bringing it back. Well, not bringing it back. It never really went away. But they've confirmed that it's going to align with the actual NFL season as part of the continued partnership. So IGN writes that the esports championship, the Ultimate Madden NFL 23 Bowl, will take take place during the week of Super Bowl. The next one that's <laughs> going to be during the week of the next Super Bowl, whatever that one is. <laughs> the finals include a prize pool of $1 million in addition to another $700,000 available throughout the season. Hmm. And of course, Madden 23 is just a couple weeks away or a week away, 10 days, 9 days, roughly depending on when you're listening to the podcast from its release. That means exhibition games are about to begin. Ooh. Football season's almost here. Exciting times. Yeah, I mostly just like it as an excuse to drink beer and eat wings on the weekend. Oh, yeah. It's the junk food pastime, right? Like, like there's only so many things you can do where you're allowed to eat, like, little hot dogs and chicken wings and pretzels <laughs> and have all of the beer and maybe alcoholic popsicles and, like, like no guilt, like, zero. <laughs> just, like, gorge yourself on chips and dip for three hours straight and just talk shit with your friends. It's perfect. Now I want all of these things. <laughs> food. Hungry. All the food. Oh, little wieners. They're so good. They are. Oh. They definitely are like a quintessential football food. Mm-hmm. Dipped in a little the mustard. the first time I made them. Mm. Oh, your mustard? See, I'm a barbecue sauce person with the little hot dogs. You know what? I'm not mad at both. I like a good combo. Or cheese sauce. Also delicious. Ooh, I haven't had little weenies in cheese sauce. Well, it feels like we're going to have to put a little weenie buffet together <laughs> over at the What's Good Game studio. <laughs> Maybe we can entice Brittany to fly down with her very ugly blue and green gear. That's right, Britt. I said it. Oh. Come fight me. I did also live in Seattle, you know. (laughs) You said nothing about being a Seahawks fan. Well, because he literally, why did they throw it? Why did they throw it, Andrea? That's what I don't understand. I'm sorry. I'm having flashbacks. We could go back and forth about some very particular moments that our teams have embarrassed us but we won't because my team is you know had not had a win in a while Mm -hmm. so it'll take me a long time to run through them all um (laughs) anyway that's back that's that esports that's a good way to end that chapter (laughs) esports esports alongside real sports we love that 
So, Rhi, you pulled this next story. Yes. So why don't you give me the rundown about what's happening? Yeah. So, uh, of course, uh, I'm a big fan of Xbox and especially Xbox Game Pass. And so Jez Gordon over at Windows Central wrote about this family plan that's coming to Game Pass. Now, obviously, the idea of having a family plan associated with Game Pass is not new, not groundbreaking, right? Like we've all said, hey, it makes sense if you could share something like this the way we share Almost all of our subscriptions these days, whether they're exactly whether their providers would like us to or not. But regardless, Microsoft has now officially begun testing this. So it's apparently already available in test audiences in Ireland and Colombia, which is exciting. And this is what Jez writes from Windows Central, as I said, from our information, paying on a higher tier for Xbox Game Pass family plan will net access for up to five players for games across the entire library. And as you can see, it would be far cheaper than paying for five separate Game Pass subscriptions as you would today. He goes on to say some details remain unclear for now. For example, will there be a separate Game Pass family plan for PC versus console? And would it be exclusive to Game Pass Ultimate or would it be for your base level at Game Pass? So the exact pricing is unknown and, and there are some additional questions still around it. As they said earlier in the article, it's being tested right now. So there are obviously some tweaks that may come down the road. But the fact that it's happening is really, really exciting because as many of us know, sharing your passwords and making sure some people aren't playing the same thing at the same time you are so that you can play together is is a little tough. And uh, especially if you have a larger family full of gamers, like for instance, my sister, both her, her husband, and both of their two kids all play on Game Pass. And it would be a really great solve for them because the whole household has individual accounts. And that's a huge savings if they can combine it all. So I think this is amazing. I don't know if you're like super high level user of Game Pass between yourself and John, Andrea, like what's the way that you engage with it in your house? I think it's really something that we use only when a new title joins Game Pass. I've definitely downloaded a lot of legacy titles with intentions of playing them. (laughs) And, you know, I'm definitely going to get to Plague Tale Innocence before the next one comes out. I got that (laughs) as a Game Pass game. But we don't fully utilize the library the way that I know a lot of my other friends do. And I certainly see the value of the amazing amount of titles that come to Game Pass. So I think a family membership makes sense. I look at it in comparison to what Nintendo has offered with their family membership and how that was really popular with people because that's a pretty substantial savings because an individual membership with Nintendo for 12 months is 20 bucks and the family plan is 35 bucks. So it's like, well, if you can get some friends together to split it, you know, the functionality is better. And obviously we need more details about what exactly is included and not included and how it's going to work and how much more expensive it is. But I think this makes sense because they're obviously all in on Game Pass and the way to continue to make money off of it and to get more subscribers is just to give more options. Exactly. So So for, for some cost comparisons, let's say, for instance, this includes Game Pass Ultimate, which is the Game Pass that lets you have Xbox Live. You can play your games on PC or on console or any combination. That is traditionally $14.99 or $15 a month. So let's say you have four people in the household who are using it. That's 60 bucks. If there's anything of a discount for the family plan, that's huge savings, right? And you know, if you're looking at doing something like 20 or $30 a month, that is absolutely ridiculously high value for so, so many games that you can access. And even at 40 or $50, that's still a pretty good savings for your average large size gaming plan. And you can bet your bottom dollar that groups of friends will go in on a family plan and figure out a way to do this too. So it's pretty good to see. Yeah. I love consumer first marketing and consumer first products. So it's really good to see Xbox working on this because as we all know, Game Pass one of the best deals in gaming. Definitely. I think in order for it to make sense, they have to price it pretty aggressively because I would imagine that most people who are in the same household don't necessarily need Game Pass, multiple Game Pass accounts unless they're playing a multiplayer game specifically through Game Pass. And there hasn't been a ton of those that are ongoing. There's been some, even like Outriders, right? That came into Game Pass that would have been great on a family membership for people to be able to play together. But most of the games that continue to be popular in the multiplayer arena are independent of Game Pass or don't require a Game Pass subscription. So it's going to be curious to see how they price it out. Yeah. Speaking of multiplayer games, Multiversus is in its beta 
And apparently, it's pretty popular <laughs> with over 10 million players, God. and the game has not even launched yet. So I have a code for this. Thank you to Warner Brothers for sending that over, and it's on my to-do list to check it out. Of course, if you guys forgot about multiverses, <laughs> it is the Smash Bros-like platformer that has all kinds of different characters from the Warner Brothers universe in it, and apparently, it's pretty cool. It looks pretty awesome. I gotta say, I'm I'm interested to see how this takes off and see who gets interested in it. Maybe we'll we'll try some matches together. <laughs> Maybe not. We'll see how. How skilled we can get. We may have to get our practice on. You know, we can do it for funsy. I have been very open that I am not good at these style of games. (laughs) And Rihanna, when we played Lego Brawl at Summer Game Fest Play Days, you got to witness just how not good at these style (laughs) of platforming fighters I actually am. I had the opportunity to play against Emily and Gerard from the team over at G4, X-Play, I should say. And they both kicked my butt yeah like repeatedly yeah. emily being the one who was like so good that we were like hey have you been practicing this game before you came over to this demo what the heck yeah and she's just like no i'm just like very nice and innocent and not at all just hustling you <laughs> um just kidding but yeah so congrats to the team over at multiverses 10 million players just on the up and up we have a couple quick in case you missed it's here the pokemon center in london as a pop-up store that's happening and it's now taking reservations. Pretty cool. If Brittany was here, I would suggest road trip. <laughs> we need another UK What's Good meetup. That sounds like Could a lot fun. of fun. Yeah, all of our, our London folks, if anybody makes it over there, let us know what it's like. It sounds really cool. Yeah, take photos. Send them to us. Let us know. Let us live vicariously through you. <laughs> and then I don't really want to belabor this because I've talked ad nauseum about microtransactions and loot boxes on the show, but Overwatch is going to stop selling them this month. Well, hooray. Yay. <laughs> Death to loot boxes. That's the story. <laughs> Death to loot boxes. The last chance to purchase them. So I guess if you are very into the loot boxes and Overwatch and you, you want them, now is the time. Maybe there's some stuff that's locked to the loot boxes skin-wise that you have yet to get and you want to get it and you don't know when or if it's going to come to the store. Now's your chance to give them more of your money if you so choose. <laughs> but otherwise... It's going to have a new structure with battle passes. Surprise, surprise. Oh my gosh, a proven model. <laughs> you don't say. Just grind and grind and grind, everybody, and get the stuff. Yes. Grind and grind and get the stuff. That's the multiplayer way. <laughs> it, it really is, and it absolutely works because it has its hooks in me in many different games right now. We should just make up a song about grind and grind and get the stuff. <laughs> grind and grind and get the stuff. Mm. Mm. I'm down. Okay, that's a good beat. Yeah, we got it. <laughs> What are we doing making a podcast when we should be producing music? You know, we maybe missed our calling. Well, you know, that What's Good Games album that came out like three years ago. We could just do a re-release. It's about time. Did we ever tell you about that? How like a a company reached out to us because they found us on SoundCloud and they were talking about how they want to like produce our album. And we were like, um, excuse me. I mean, did you listen to our stuff on SoundCloud? (laughs) That sounds awesome. And I'm absolutely down for that. We should make this happen. In one of my tipsier moments, I made it part of my to-do list that I'm never going to get to because, baby, to make a track of all of Steimer's songs over the course of the five years that she was on the show Mm -hmm. because lots of lots of them. But alas, it never happened. If there's an enterprising fan out there that wants to do it, I will make sure it sees the light of day. You just let me know. And last but not least, Marvel's Midnight Suns has been delayed to 2023. So that was tucked into the Take-Two fiscal update that happened earlier this week. They did say it's coming by the end of the fiscal, which is technically the end of Q1 next year. So hypothetically, if they maintain that, it should come out before the end of March 2023. But who knows? Hey, take your time. But it's not coming out in October, so... Don't look for it then, I guess. Take your time. <laughs> do what you got to do. Don't crunch. Go home to your family. Exactly. Make a good game. Exactly. Make it good. Make it wonderful. Rihanna, should we talk a little bit about this monster peripheral that you've been toting around? Yes. That everyone's been talking about on the internet? <laughs> Yay, my hands on time. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so I have purchased a Steam Deck. I have gotten the 256 gigabyte model over the... Respectable. Yeah. 
Yeah, went for the mid-tier. Over the base model, it has faster storage, carrying case, and exclusive Steam Community Profile Bundle. I have no idea what that is. Well. Whatever. And then, isn't it like avatars and stuff? Sure. That's neat. <laughs> haven't used He's it. Like, sure. Stuff I'll never use. Haven't used it. What I do love is that it has the faster SSD, which is incredible. And that comes at the retail price of, ooh, $5.29 before tax. So that is... What I paid <laughs> for this That piece is a of chunk hardware. of change. So I'll go ahead and show it. And this is my Steam Deck. It may be a little bit grimy. I tried to wipe off the screen. I uh, know it looks sparkly. You did Thank good. Thank you. So I will start with the screen because that is one of the major differences between the model I've gotten in the 512. So the 256, the mid-tier model, has a very nice screen. It is scratch resistant. However, on the 512 gigabyte model, the most expensive one, it's $649 before tax. It has a premium anti-glare etched glass so that reflective layer makes such a big difference between this model and the model that my husband danny has from gamertag radio and you can see the difference even if you're not looking at a reflective like looking at it with light reflecting off of it it has like sort of like a polished quality to it that makes it so that you do not have any sort of light that gets in your way or bounces into your your vision spectrum while you're trying to play either inside or outside so i encourage you to take a look at any videos that danny has put up or any videos that any other creators have put up of the more expensive model the top tier if you know you'll be playing a lot outside or in public people are going to really have a problem with this reflective surface if they're going to be playing with any large amount of light that's not simply indoors so i will say that it is a big huge caveat because i know this is a lot of money it's more than a hundred dollars difference but it does truly change your play experience other things that come with this this is this case it has a travel case. It's pretty nice. Has, you know, the little insert there for you to cushion your Steam Deck. It also comes with a little slot here for your charger, which is pretty convenient. This is just an elastic strap that holds a charger in and a little handle. There's enough room above the Steam Deck once it's in here to maybe put like, maybe like a little headset, like if you use earbuds or something, but you really don't want to put much here, maybe a, an SD card at most, because it will crush or put pressure on your screen once it's closed. So you want to be careful about that. So you probably don't want to put anything there, right? Uh, I would say be very careful. I mean, my my earbuds are you know thin enough that it doesn't even really touch it. But if it's anything with a hard surface or, or anything that's potentially going to scratch the screen, you want to be very careful or at the very least lay a protective layer over the screen, which the top tier does come with. It comes with the screen protector. So that's all of the stuff on the outside. When you get to actually holding this thing, it is, I would say it's twice as heavy as a Switch. And maybe I'm not even giving it enough credit. It may be three times as heavy. I should probably look it up. But if I'm just going based on I'll, feel, I'll look it up for you. Yeah. And um, I actually, I, I put a call out on Twitter to see if anybody had any specific questions. And Kareem Cheese G asked, is it heavy on the hands and can you play all games from Steam. The first question, can you play all games? No. There are some games that are specifically optimized for the Steam Deck, meaning they are set up so that you can play with these onboard controls. And that includes the two touchpads, which are sensitive, where you can you can actually have haptic feedback. I can feel my finger moving around on this in the rumble of the actual machine. Same with this one. You have your two joysticks, and then you have your XYAB over here, your D-pad over on this left side, And it does feel pretty comfortable switching from an offset stick layout, which you have, you know, with Xbox controller, for instance, to this one that's a little bit more symmetrical. As you can see, I have Vampire Survivors loaded up right there. But it does feel pretty good. And it does also come with four back buttons. So you can customize these in your in-game menu and per game tell the Steam Deck what you want each of these buttons to do. So that's actually really convenient. You, of course, have your bumpers and triggers on the top, your volume over here, power, and then your USB charging, and then your little 3.5 millimeter headphone jack. So all the buttons are pretty standard to what you would have on like a pro controller, with the exception of these touch sensitive pads. And they're pretty cool because you can use either the touch pads or the joysticks to navigate around most games. So if I go to the store, you will see that there are... Lots of games here that you can play on the Steam Deck. And there's also ones here that say it is 
Steam Deck optimized or are great on Steam Deck. But there are some games that aren't necessarily completely tested and proven to work on this handheld mode that will still play. And I'll give you an example because I've actually modded my Steam Deck to go to xCloud. And <laughs> this is uh, not a surprise if you know me. I'm a really big fan of Xbox. And I, of course had to go through some dev steps in the back end. You can put this in desktop mode and it is a Linux machine. So you can code some things in the, in the back end, but it has xCloud gaming now functional. I don't know if you can see that to the point where I actually just go to a web browser and then I can play all of my Xbox games through this browser. And I'll just sign in here where you can't see me and pause if I've missed anything so far. Cause I know there's a lot and I'm going to try to get through it fast. No, I don't. Th- I don't think you've missed anything so far. Basically, just going over some of the form function. I think some of the high level things that I want to touch on while you're doing that mm-hmm. is for people who have heard of someone talk about the Steam Deck, but are like, "What the heck is the Steam Deck anyway?" and the comparisons to the Nintendo Switch are inevitable. By the way, the weight of the Switch is approximately 14 ounces and the Steam Deck is approximately 23 ounces. So, you know, a sizable difference between them. Not quite double, but (laughs) close. Yeah. And the real difference, of course, between them outside of the price is the power because the Steam Deck is truly a small mini PC, Mm -hmm. whereas the Nintendo Switch is a closed ecosystem designed to run Nintendo Switch-only games. And you've already mentioned that you've modded your Steam Deck to be able to do some stuff that it can't do just out of the box. And it's also known as a system that is very open in that sense that developers can come in and kind of tinker with it. And that's by design. So the price, I think, is something to be mindful of when talking about like what is this system who is this system for I would be curious to know from people who also have steam decks that are listening to the show maybe write to us tweet to us at what's good underscore games or send us an email write to us on patreon about what you use your steam deck for that isn't video games because to me that's really where the price point comes Mm -hmm. in like that's why it costs more because it's not just a gaming machine even though there are Clearly plenty of people out there that have no problem paying that price just for it to be a handheld gaming machine. But it can do more. And I think even just the idea of having browser functionality makes it more alluring. Now, could the Nintendo Switch have a browser? Sure could. The Nintendo 3DS freaking have one. (laughs) I don't know why the Nintendo Switch still doesn't have a browser functionality yet. Nintendo, fix it, please. But there's clearly a lot more processing power. So the sheer amount of games you can play is is much bigger as well. Absolutely. And I'll just give a quick look because I don't want to get too much into like my Xbox library. But you can see that is xCloud running on the Steam Deck. And it runs... Very smoothly. As I said, I have customized my controls when I play Fortnite, for instance, to run as the same as my pro controller on Xbox. It's smooth as butter. And if I'm sitting and I have this plugged into power, the battery life is fine. The Wi-Fi connection at my house is really, really strong. I have barely any input lag. If I plug a controller in, it's a little bit of a lag. And if I go with a Bluetooth controller connection, of course, it's going to be a little bit less responsive. But using the the onboard controls, it is smooth as butter. I can't recommend that enough. I will say battery life, and I've learned this now taking this on four different flights, I did lots of testing over the last week. Battery life is not so great on the high demand games. So if you're playing something like even like Stray, for instance, or Apex Legends, or, you know, something a little bit more demanding, like a God of War, it is going to drain that battery. You would have, I would say, maybe two hours on medium settings. You can, of course, lower the graphical fidelity to reduce the demand on the machine, but it is going to get hot and it is going to drain. And that is another thing that I will say is a call out is that you really do want to be near a power source if you're going to play this for any length of time on a high demand game. Now, I played a lot of games like Vampire Survivors, for instance, 
which did not require much. And I was able to get through pretty much all of my flights, which were about two and a half, three hours without having to plug the console in until I got to my destination or into my layover. So I will call that out. Battery life is definitely a consideration. This is not something that you can use as long as you can use a Switch. And we did say earlier in the show, the Switch is a really great console because it is truly optimized for the games that it plays. Steam Deck is a little bit more open as you mentioned, Andrea, it is a Linux machine. You can do all kinds of stuff that it isn't necessarily designed to do out of the box, but it does come at a cost. So there is a trade-off there. That makes sense. I saw the folks over at PCGamer.com did a side-by-side with The Witcher 3 running both on the Switch and the Steam Deck at medium settings. Mm -hmm. And they got much more battery life out of the Steam Deck than they got out of the Switch, which also has notoriously short battery life. But... (laughs) I think, you know, when you're talking about a gaming experience on a handheld device, you have to go in with realistic expectations that, yeah, if you're going to run it at maximum settings, just like if I was gaming on my iPhone or if I was having a very long TikTok session, it drains my battery. It does. does. (laughs) But I will say one of the things, and this is, this is not sponsored. This is a doc from JSOX, which... I got from Danny, actually. And these are really, really helpful if you're having issues with battery life, with heat, with your internet connection, and you want to hard plug this into something. There are lots of solutions like this that are becoming more and more available. So this is an adapter that will plug into the USB-C at the top of your Steam Deck, and it will also hold it as a bit of a dock for you at a display. And in it, you can plug in, let's see here, you have one, two, three, USB 3.0s in the back. There's an HDMI. You also have the Type-C, so you can plug it into power through this dock. And then on the side, it actually has an Ethernet port. So there are lots of little gadgets like this that you can get to go along with it. Of course, it's an additional cost and investment. But if you do truly want to play for long stretches of time with the Steam Deck, this is going to be really, really helpful because you won't have to constantly monitor the battery. You'll have the best internet connection possible at your location. And you can even plug in a controller through that USB if you would like. With all of that, it, it makes it a lot more accessible. However, I will say you do need to watch the heat. It gets hot and the back of it is where you'll start to feel those heat zones. If this is laying on your lap, for instance, while you're playing, like you have it on your lap, it's going to be uncomfortable. And I say that to make sure that people don't accidentally lay this down on something that could melt because it will absolutely do so. It does have an automatic shutoff functionality if it gets too hot for the actual machine to keep working properly, but you could easily overheat something else as the surface that you're putting it on before that shutoff kicks in. So those are sort of like the pluses and minuses of it. The overall benefit is like you can play almost anything on this. You can mod it, you can emulate it, a Linux machine. It's endlessly infinite possibilities that are at your fingertips when you put a Steam Deck and you have a lot of different resources for the back end and all of the coding that you can do. There are lots of videos out there. I am definitely not the right person to give that tutorial, but having followed a couple of them myself, you can get you know, your Xbox games, you can get maybe even some Nintendo games on this. And and of course, anything on your Steam library that you think you can use the controls for, all of it is playable on the Steam Deck. It has really, really great sound and it feels like a solid piece of hardware. It feels pretty premium. I never got tired holding it, but it is heavy, but it's heavy enough that it feels like it's worth the money, if that makes sense. It's not so heavy that it's uncomfortable. Yeah, it doesn't feel cheap. It does not. It feels like the components are quality. I got to hold Danny's unit that he got the highest level. The 512. It felt very, like, weighty, very substantial. That's my concern, though, is that I have these itty-bitty hands. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And long gaming sessions with my Switch can even sometimes Mm -hmm. be challenging. But I'm curious about this. Yeah. I don't think that it makes sense for the amount of PC games I play. Mm -hmm. But part of me is like, would this get me to play more stuff on Steam Mm -hmm. that I opt out of playing because I have to come out here to my studio desk. And whenever I'm out here, I instantly start working. And it takes all the fun out of playing (laughs) the games that I came out here to play. Instead, I start working doing emails and whatnot. Um, That's the exact use case for me. I don't like sitting at my desk when I'm not working. And the Steam Deck has opened up an entire library of games that I have been ignoring for a while. And even some things that I could play on other consoles, it's just a great way to play. 
like it, it is high fidelity. It's going to look great. It's going to sound great. It's going to feel great. It is a huge threshold <laughs> to get in on Steam Deck, but I would say it's absolutely worth it, especially for folks like me who don't have a gaming PC. This is my gaming PC, and I'm really happy with it so far. That's excellent. I think this is something that I'm going to maybe put on my radar for 2023, because if you are in the queue for a Steam Deck and you don't have it yet, <laughs> I know you're probably pretty frustrated out there, but they gave a production update just a couple weeks ago saying that they're going to be able to offload more new units to people who are in the queue than they thought. And so hopefully they can free free that up for people to be able to get their reservations. But that if you start to get into the queue now, then it's almost certain that you won't get it until Q1 next year. So I'm like, ah, I can yeah. wait. Put it on the Christmas list. You can get it eventually. <laughs> right. Get me a reservation, honey, for a device that will probably end up in a drawer somewhere. <laughs> Just being realistic, okay? I'm Just being honest. <laughs> But thank you so much for the deep dive into the Steam Deck, and hopefully you can keep us posted on what you're playing on it and kind of what your updated thoughts are. Maybe we can do a revisit in a month or two after you've yeah. had you know, a longer time with it to be like, are you still using it all the time or is it in a drawer somewhere? I, I will say it has been my most used since I've been back home so far. It's stepped okay. in front of the Series S, so we'll see how it goes. Well, well, well. I'm going to keep eyes on it, yeah. though. I fully believe that the Series S is going to gonna be creeping, being like, hey, girl. I don't know. Apex World's pretty good on this. Hey, girl. Uh, <laughs> but no, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I, I've been playing a lot of that Steam backlog, and, and you know, it's it's got me right now. But we'll see how it shakes out. We'll check it in another month. But in the meantime, send me questions. Let me know what you want me to test out on it. I'm willing to try anything on this this machine. It's kept its paces so far. Excellent. Well, you did mention... Vampire Survivors. Have you played enough that you want to talk about it today? Or do you want to hold your thoughts? Or how you feeling? I have so many thoughts on Vampire Survivors. So, okay. Okay. First off, it is like $3. So, if you have the ability to play a Steam game, you should play Vampire Survivors. Even if you don't like bullet hells, even if you don't like roguelikes, even if you don't like RPGs, you would probably want to give Vampire Survivors a try because I guarantee you there's something in it that you're going to enjoy. So the way it works, <laughs> so weird to describe, the way it works is you choose a hero and you run into an environment, load into an environment rather, and it's sort of like an endless runner where enemies are coming at you in waves from all directions at all times and all you do is aim. You don't shoot, you don't uh, have any sort of potions, you don't have any specific like button impress that you have to do. You literally just aim. And as you gather gems from defeated enemies, as you're shooting them by aiming at them, you will pick up gems that will help you level up. And as you level up, you get to add weapons to your automatic fire arsenal. So it is very, very simple to get into. It's another game that I'm probably going to recommend to my mom if I can figure out how to get her <laughs> playing on a, a Steam. It gets so complicated in the depth of gameplay because of the choices you're making. So there's a very straightforward strategy of like, okay, I have one weapon type. Maybe I you know, keep upgrading that. And then anytime I level up from there, I'm going to just add like regain my health every two seconds or something like that. And you could go really straightforward or you can diversify and choose different types of weapons. So maybe I start with a whip and then I add a Bible that circles me and wipes out enemies every couple seconds and then it goes away and it comes back. And then maybe I want to add a magic wand that shoots out at the nearest enemy and it comes back every few seconds. And I want to diversify the types of things I am adding to my automatic fire arsenal and then also like specking into healing and stuff like that as I gain levels in this bullet hell, right? At a certain point, once you have sort of mastered the way that you like to move around and like the frequency with which you like to fire things at people versus heal or whatever, you are literally surrounded by so many mods that like you can't, <laughs> you can't even see your own character. You're just surviving and you're just like this this unstoppable force in the middle of like this sea of enemies. And it is so satisfying that I can't describe like how much fun I had. And my flights where I was playing this game went by like that. Like I truly did not even realize how much time I had spent because 
after 30 minutes of a game, you are automatically hunted down by the Grim Reaper and most likely it's going to kill you instantly. So you can time these matches out pretty easily to pass specific chunks of time and you're going to enjoy every moment of it. Like you're learning new like layouts, like new builds and specs. You do unlock new heroes that have different base level attributes that are helping you get through these environments there are secrets in the maps which i just started finding out and maybe like my last two play sessions and you can sort of like unlock the secrets of the different levels that you're you're consistently discovering and there's just like a lot of depth even though it's such a simple mechanic that i was instantly hooked like i am addicted to this game it is fantastic and the best three dollar game i have ever played it's one of the best games i've ever played period it is up there. Like, it's actually amazing how much fun I'm having with this game. I'm legit shook that <laughs> you're playing a bullet hell like I this. I know. It's, I don't like bullet hell. It's insane watching some of the gameplay footage. Yeah. If you guys check it out for, for Vampire Survivors. Uh, this game came out in December of 2021, by the way. And like, there's so much happening on screen. It's been a while since I've been able to successfully enjoy bullet hells because I think my brain is so like mushy right now because of baby mm-hmm. that I look at these games and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so complex. But like there's so much finesse that can be done in bullet hells that make them so satisfying. And there is according to the Steam page for the game, overwhelmingly positive reviews, over 100,000 of them, in fact. And as you said, it's just three bucks to try it out. So interesting that this has been the game that has captured you. It's definitely a surprise to me as well. I do not like bullet hells. I'm not the hugest fan of roguelites, Hades being the one exception. It's all of those things, but I, I really can't stop playing it. And I do think it's the amount of time that it forces you to stop a session that really does help. Like you cannot spend more than 30 minutes on one playthrough and you will get to the point where you're consistently getting to the end. Once you've unlocked enough base level stats that follow you from character to character and session to session. However, I played it for like three hours straight and didn't even realize that the flight was over. So excellent. Well, I'm glad that you're having a great time. What a wonderful use of your $600 machine hmm. to play a $3 video game. Well, <laughs> isn't that the way? <laughs> that's, the running, that's the running bit about the Steam Deck, though, right? It's like the most expensive indie machine. But I think it's awesome, though, if it exposes you to games that you maybe would have overlooked or never even heard yeah. of or found. And that's the tough part, I think, for people like us that are primarily console players is that we just don't spend enough time in the depths of the Steam store to really find some of these gems. And I think it's awesome that the Steam Deck is allowing you to yeah. do that. The other thing I will say that's really great about it is if I were to play this on my PC, the first instinct would be to play with WASD controls, right? I'm not good at them. I'm just not. It's just not my jam, not my skill set. But because it natively uses the joystick, I'm fine. Like, I feel really capable. And (laughs) it's something that I think will get me to go to other games that I maybe have skipped because they are just naturally going to be catering to keyboard input because it's not me. I'm not a keyboard girly. So I'm really excited to, like you said, go back and find some other darlings and some gems there that I immediately sort of like wrote off because I didn't want to use the control input. And now... It's optimized for the Steam Deck and I can use my controllers and I feel like I'm actually able to do these things. It's good times. What a great day to be a gamer. I love it. Well, thank you for that update on what you've been playing. And I look forward to chatting with you more about some new gems that you find in the coming weeks and months. So that's going to do it for our show for this week, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget, if you guys want to support us, patreon.com slash what's good games. Check out some of our new videos that we're posting at twitter.com slash what's good underscore games and give us that follow. We'd really appreciate it. And of course, if you guys want a five-star review, it would really help us out. All right, everybody, have a great weekend. Take care. See you next time. Bye. Bye.